0: This is the Permaculture Podcast. I'm Scott Mann. Every month, over at the Patreon page for the podcast, patreon.com/slash/permaculturepodcast, I hold an Ask Me Anything thread to open the door for any questions members there might have. In one of those threads, Christopher Kopka posted the following question: What have you seen through your lived experience and via your increasing network that gives you not only aspirational hope but also perspirational perspective and confidence? of moving past demonstration projects, and moving toward broader-scale impact. At the moment, I don't see the land and agriculture-based permaculture movement pushing past the point of small-scale or demonstration projects in the near future because of the expense and labor required to create, manage, and harvest from fully integrated systems. Compared to modern agriculture, the tools currently do not exist to scale up without a large investment in human labor which drives the price of on-farm production. Farm labor is skilled labor, and we must not only train those people but also pay the costs up front. Compare this to spreading the expense over years with leased machines, or purchasing farm equipment on credit. I do find hope in the projects that exist, however, in showing us a way forward as we answer the question of labor costs compared to mechanized production. All the permaculture farms i visited over the years created an abundance of food and importantly financial income, on a small scale. The two most integrated, Island Creek and Salamander Springs, focused growing on around one acre, 0.4 hectare, and required three people working 35 to 45 hours per week to operate from sowing seeds in spring to the fall harvest, while training the interns and assistants in integrated farming practices. Island Creek grew a large market garden of foods, including annuals of corn and greens, While growing perennials and strong self seeding plants such as figs, leeks, garlic, and Egyptian onions. Salamander Springs focused largely on a three sisters garden with different varieties of corn, beans, and squash, supplemented with spring ephemerals foraged and tended on the property, and a small garden full of onions, brassicas, and greens to extend and supplement the season long income. The largest permaculture farm I visited so far operated on five acres and is Radical Roots Farm in Virginia. Even though they used a small walk behind tractor, this farm, run by Dave and Lee O'Neill, included multiple on farm interns throughout the year. It's been several years since our interview and our tour, but at the time it took around seven people with light mechanization to operate the farm from seed to harvest. The O'Neills also enhanced their regular farm income with a nursery business. From what I've encountered at these farms and in other conversations, the successful permaculture farms were in the right place while receiving financial support and growing slowly. Holly Island Creek, received the land she farms on as a wedding present, and her husband operates a prosperous roofing business. Susanna Lane at Salamander Springs purchased an inexpensive piece of hard Kentucky hilltop for not a lot of money and built it up over many years. Though I do not know the intricacies of the O'Neill's origin story, they were successful business people who found ways to grow the nourishing foods they wanted to by supplementing their own farm vegetable income and living frugally with what they had, while again building up over the years. I mention these examples as they sit in a place of, and as I'm reminded by Taj Shukluna's thought of a fourth ethic of permaculture, transition. I've said before on the podcast and elsewhere that I don't think permaculture will be the system that directly changes the world, but I do see this system of ecological design as a model of how far we can go and what will get us to the next steps. We now are the pioneers who push the envelope and help existing groups and those who follow us to create the world we imagine, with systems yet to be discovered or named. These edges are where I find inspiration as permaculture practices influence larger projects. Some examples of those include Dickinson College and Farmers on the Square, Hilltop Urban Farm, and City Repair Project. Years ago I lectured about permaculture at Dickinson College, which also runs a large organic farm. At that time I had engaging conversations with professors, and in the time since, the farm staff continued to integrate more regenerative practices there's often focus on intentional design and positive ecological impacts. I continue to visit the farm, which encourages local agriculture through a CSA, but also on-site energy production and waste recycling through the production of biochar, biogas, and bioeffluent fertilizer. The farm also participates in a weekly farmer's market, Farmers on the Square, in downtown Carlisle, Pennsylvania. The first time I went to the market, there were only a dozen or so vendors selling vegetables and a few value-added products, such as jams and jellies. Now, the market spreads across the square in Carlisle and is filled with vendors selling fresh produce and vegetables, as expected, but also bakeries with fresh breads, meateries, wineries, cheesemakers, and dairy purveyors. A wander through the market over the years shows how it's moved from a few fresh foodstuffs to a whole diet available for sale without going to the grocery store. Another example is the 501c3 nonprofit Hilltop Urban Farm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The director, Sarah Bexendel, is a permaculture practitioner and brings her knowledge of permaculture and experience in city and urban planning to the work of the farm. Through these actions, Hilltop Urban Farm helps to create youth farms, incubator farm projects, and also reach farmers' markets throughout Pittsburgh. Finally, there's City Repair Project, founded by permaculture practitioner and teacher Mark Lakeman. Using the elements of permaculture design, City Repair Project helps communities reclaim local culture, power, and joy in a way that influences street art. And citizen engagement. These groups, using business funds, government money, and institutional influence, have a broader reach for those of us interested in creating greater regenerative approaches with wider cultural impact. Partnering with groups such as these in our own areas, serving on boards, and participating in the local community, allow us to bring our ethics and principles to the forefront of the conversation. Are there any organizations, like City Repair Project, Hilltop Urban Farm, or Dickinson College Farm in your area? Are there any permaculture farms near you that you're aware of? What kind of work are they doing? Also, would you like more short discussions of topics like this? If so, send me your ideas and questions. Drop something in the post, The Permaculture Podcast, PO Box 16, Dauphin, Pennsylvania, 17018, or send me an email, show at thepermaculturepodcast.com. I'm interested in collecting more information about these various projects. So, send me a note if you know something. And until the next time, spend each day creating the world you want to live in by taking care of Earth, yourself, and each other.